0: This is the Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose, teaching influencers and bloggers how to become successful entrepreneurs. This is episode 111 of the Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose. Today, we are going to dive into how to become an influencer. And it's not just simply creating some social media accounts and posting a bunch of stuff to attract attention and see how many followers you can get, whether you're paying for them or whether they're coming authentically to you. That's not what this is going to be about. Now, what I wanna make sure that you know is that you understand that there is a worksheet that's gonna walk you through this. There are strategic steps on how to become an influencer. And I wanna make sure that you click over to the show notes to grab that worksheet as we're going through this. Now, obviously, if you're driving and listening to the podcast, I don't want you to try to click over right now because it's not something you're gonna be able to do. But I want you to make sure that you come back to the show notes Get that worksheet and go through these steps because I'm really gonna force you to think about what exactly and how to become that influencer that you want to be, probably like no one else you've ever heard. So before we dive into that, I wanna make sure that you are aware that Influencer Entrepreneurs Academy in Charlotte, April 2nd through the 4th, is right around the corner and we only have a limited number of tickets left. So if you're thinking, what Conference, what live event should I attend in 2019? This is the one for you. We not only are going to have experts that are going to be there talking about anything from SEO to Pinterest to Instagram to YouTube, but those experts are gonna present for 45 minutes, and then the attendees are going to have the opportunity to workshop that content. Each expert speaker is giving a worksheet so that you can apply the strategies that are being taught to your business right afterwards. They're also going to be circulating throughout the room as well as myself and my staff to help you make sure that you can implement those strategies for your business. We know that not all businesses are the same. You're not all bloggers. You're not all just Instagram influencers. You have many facets to your business. So because of that, we wanna make sure that you have the opportunity to apply the strategies and make it work for your business. This conference is what I have dreamed of a conference, that I really, really want to, to be able to attend myself. Anytime I went to a conference, I always wished that I had had the opportunity to not only network with the bloggers that were there, the speakers, but also really put the strategies into place. And we're going to give you the opportunity to do that. So Definitely make sure that you grab a ticket before we are sold out. We will be kicking off April 2nd and going through April 4th. The first day, April 2nd, we're going to be taking a cocktail cruise on the beautiful Lake Norman. We will then have all day workshop August 3rd and August 4th. So it is going to be a time to network, find that tribe of bloggers and influencers and business owners that are really looking to take their businesses to the next level. I hope you will join me. All right, you guys, let's dive into how to become an influencer. So now before we dive into the specific strategies, I kind of wanted to give you a little story, take you down memory lane for me. I've recently finished um, Brandon Bouchard's book, High Performing Habits, and it's actually on my list of books to read in 2019 for women entrepreneurs. It was a fabulous read. It really pushed me to look at myself and the things that I do. And the questions that it asked really brought me back to um, elementary school, believe it or not. So one of the things that's talked about in the book is the importance of influence and how you use it, how you choose to stand up for others and for yourself and how you're going to influence others to do that. So it brought me straight back, (laughs) this is going to sound crazy, but it brought me straight back actually to fifth grade. When I was kind of at a point, I was in a small elementary school where I went to school. I graduated with 79 students. Guess you heard that right. I had a high school class of 79 students. We all knew each other. We went to preschool together, then we went through elementary school. Um, We didn't have a middle school because we were so small. We actually had um, K through six in one building and then seven through 12 was in another. It was a very small school district and actually had gotten larger once I graduated, but apparently it's getting small again. But anyways, that's not the point. The reason I'm bringing this up is because when you're in a small elementary school like that and you're getting into those teenage, not quite teenage years, you know, we're talking fifth, sixth grade here, you're preteen, right? It's when you're starting to decide a little bit about who you are. You're trying to make that stance and figure out who your friends are going to be. Are you going to be in the cool crowd? Are you going to be in the, the quiet crowd? What crowd are you going to choose to go towards? Well, at that time, since there weren't a ton of us, there were only 80 students and figure half of those were girls. So there's only really 40 of us. We hadn't really had to make those lines yet. And they were just starting to become apparent. And there was this one girl that was in um, my fifth grade class that wasn't with us when we were little in preschool, had come in, probably she was like third or fourth grade when she had joined Our school district. And she was a little bit different than the rest of us. She looked a little bit different. She had different customs. So, because of that, some of the girls who I guess at the time you would kind of call my friends, um, started making fun of her and would say silly things like, Oh, you can't touch her desk, and they would do it right in front of her. And even I can remember being in fifth grade and making a stance and knowing that I was making a stance knowing that I was going to put myself on the other side of the divide of cool kid and just another kid and I knew that I was making that choice at that time and it seemed so silly but my influence my heart at that time knew that these people were being so mean to this girl just because she was different and she wasn't there so she never knew that I took this stance but I was being made fun of because I was sitting at her desk. We moved classrooms and I happened to be in her in her classroom where she had moved to a different one. And I sat at her desk. No one else would sit at. it. And of course, a couple of the boys and a couple of the girls, ooh, you're sitting at so-and-so's desk. You're going to get cooties. You know, the silly stuff that we say in elementary school. And I remember looking at them and there was this one boy in particular that I still remember to this day looking at him and saying, no, I'm not you're stupid. Get over it. And I could see the look on his face as if, oh, you're done. (laughs) I'm going to take this and I'm going to bring this to everyone else in the class. So they're well aware that you have chosen that you want to be on that side. And I was okay with that. I knew that I was taking a stance, but I also knew that the friends that I did have were going to like me for who I was or they weren't. And that was okay with me. And it's funny that as I'm reading this book now as a grown woman who's turning 40 years old this year, that when it was talking about influence and it was talking about taking a stance and knowing who you are, that was a defining moment for me. It takes me back to that fifth grade classroom. And I think that I, at an early age, knew who I was going to be and what I wanted to do, and I wasn't afraid to stand up for it. And I think that that has continued to show throughout my career, throughout me deciding that I wasn't going to be a reading specialist anymore in inner city school district because I just wasn't meant to deal with administration. I was going to leave teaching at 35 and decide that I was going to make my business full time. It was the risks and the chances and that I was willing to take. And it was part of knowing that my influence, that the way in which I could work in the world with other people would make it all end up on the right side. I could land on my feet because I knew that I knew, understood people and could influence them to understand that I could help them. So, what I want to be able to do today is I want to be able to walk you through how to understand to become an influencer. Because I think a lot of us seem to think that, oh, we're going to be YouTube famous, or we're going to grow our Instagram influence, and we're going to become Instagram influencers with 100,000 followers, and we're going to make it. And that's going to be our business. But there's something wrong. That's why so many people are getting onto social media and feeling almost icky, like you're just seeing the highlight reel because it is just a highlight reel. It's not the real person that's actually authentically showing themselves to you and using their influence to then help you on your journey in life. Really, guys, that is what this is supposed to be about. When I started my blog, The Malrose Family, nine years ago, I was doing it for myself, but I was also creating the content because I knew there were other moms like me who had lost themselves in motherhood and needed to find a way back. That was why I started to share that content. It was a passion that I had inside of me. Now, if you guys have been listening to the podcast, you know that I've recently published an episode called um, How to find your zone of genius. So I want you to make sure that if you haven't gone back to that, that will really help you with this whole idea of how to become an influencer because it talks about the whole idea of knowing what your zone of genius is and using it for the right purposes to move your business forward at the same time. So the steps, the questions that I really need to start for you to think about, the first one is to figure out what problem you are solving as an influencer. Because you can't just create content and not be solving a problem. If that's what you're doing, you're really not an influencer then. Because you're just putting up random content. You have to know the problem that you're solving when you're putting it out there. So that if you're creating... Um, vegetable recipes that just use veggies what why why are you putting that content out there because you like those types of recipes or are you trying to help people make healthier choices maybe for their families that can't eat meat or have heart problems or whatever it might be or if you are creating a membership site that is meant for fitness users why are you creating that are you doing it for the moms that can't get to the gym because they have two kids at home um, and they need to be able to work out at home quickly and easily, and you want them to feel better about themselves, healthier for their children, those are problems that are really that you are solving. But creating just a random recipe here and then doing a parenting post here, unless it's connected over an under overarching idea, it's not going to make sense and it's not going to influence your audience towards something. All right? So the first question is figure out what problem you are solving. The second thing that I need you to do is to be authentic and show that you care by answering some questions. If you are being asked questions routinely about, well, what? how does this recipe work and how can I adjust it for this? Right now, we are seeing a huge trend for keto blocks. Everybody is keto, right? Everybody wants to find out keto, keto this, keto that, keto that. So, People that are creating keto recipes are getting a lot of questions, and if you're not taking the time to answer those questions, you're missing out on building a trustworthy audience. Here's the thing. I know a lot of us started off by just creating content, and it's free content. We wanted to create recipes. We may not have had the idea that we want to create this a business, but the second that you put up ads on your site, you made it a business. So why not capitalize on the fact that those are all the questions that are coming in and think about a possible product that you create for them. Stop holding yourself back by telling me you don't have time to answer all these questions. You homeschool and you have to create content as it is. Sure. You do, but instead of continuing to create tons and tons of free content, why not think about how you might be able to put these people into a membership site and run a group coaching program? Maybe you're going to hire someone to create keto recipes for you on your blog while you create a membership site. Start thinking beyond what we're so used to. Because if you're making money from a membership site, you can you can certainly afford to pay someone to help create those recipes on your site that you want out there for free content that's going to continue to drive traffic, page views, and ad money. I know a lot of people get this whole idea that passive income, passive income, I'm gonna just do ads. Ads are great, but Again, they can go up and down, and so can your page views. And page views, as you've heard me say time and time again, are not passive. You have to drive the traffic to those page views to get them. So that it requires you to do tons of social media. You're doing Pinterest and Instagram and whatever else you have to do to do to get that traffic. So really, start thinking about if I'm getting a lot of questions uh, from a. free content that I'm putting up there, maybe I'm going to take all those questions. I'm going to answer the majority of them to try to help people. But then when they start getting really specific about how can I do this to make it keto? And this is what I need to have because I have an almond allergy or whatever it might be. So now what you might turn around and say, okay, I'm going to do a mountain membership site. You guys clearly have questions. We're going to make this tailored for you. And this is how we're going to run it. Those people that are asking you, coming to you for that free content and asking you specific questions about themselves, will then either one, stop asking those questions and getting under your nerves because you don't feel like you have enough time for them. Or two, they're gonna say, yes, this is what I need. Here's my money, sign me up. Where do I sign on the dotted line? Here's my credit card. That's ideally what you're looking for, you guys. So When you're thinking about, you know, how do I be authentic? Well, answer the questions that people have, but at the same time, when you're creating, whether it's on Instagram stories or you're creating a Facebook video, whatever it might be, you need to be you. Don't just show me the crap that you think is going to make me wanna like you be who you are. You guys, if you don't know who you are and you're creating content, I need you to take time and really figure out what your purpose is. Why are you doing what you're doing and creating the content that you're creating? Maybe, you know, you feel lost because you have little ones at home and we all know how scrambled our minds can feel. But You have to understand that if you don't know the problem that you're solving, and again, it's going back to number one here, if you don't know the problem that you're solving, you can't authentically be yourself because you're going to be all over the place. You need to have a clear path. And if you know what problem you're solving, you will, and it'll be easy to be authentically yourself. Okay, the next thing that I need for you to do is to create a sense of community or tribe. When you're on social media, it can't just be, this is where we get stuck. When people get onto social media and they randomly will post a recipe and they don't tie it back to their audience or create that sense of community with their audience, it just goes up as a highlight reel. It goes up as something that people look at and go, oh yeah, that's pretty, but I could never do that. Because you're not actually connecting with your audience. You have to connect with them and give them a sense of community. One of the easiest ways to do this is to give them a call to action that makes them feel like they're a part of it. Hey, if you're making my queso dip, just tag me and share it up on your Insta stories. Telling them that that's what you want them to do. And then when they do that, reshare it and give them, you know, send them a direct message. Thanks so much for sharing this and reshare their content. It not only when you reshare on Instagram stories, it not only allows you to be able to say thank you to the person that tagged you, but it's also showing your audience that is watching you that, oh, look, other people are sharing her content. I want to do that. I should do that. You're setting the example of how to interact with you. Social media, For many of us, especially I think Instagram stories, I've been hearing recently from a lot of people in my audience that are saying to me, Instagram stories just confuse the crap out of me. I don't understand the purpose. Like, am I supposed to show just behind the scenes? Is it just supposed to be random pictures? No, it's called an Instagram story because it's supposed to tell the story. And in that, when you're telling a story, There should be a purpose for it, not just random crap that you're putting up there. You have to have a purpose for it, asking specific questions that are going to drive information from the question that you're asking. So a lot of times on Instagram stories, I'll see people put up polls and they'll ask, would you rather see more desserts or would you rather see more appetizers? hit dessert, hit appetizers. Then we go to a next screen. The next story says, would you rather see more essential oils or would you rather see more recipes? Hit one or the other. Great. That's going to give you some information. It's going to give you a poll. It's going to tell you that 60% want to see essential oils and 40% want to see um, more recipes. What does that really tell you? It doesn't tell you anything. 60, 40. So what? Does that mean you're going to take a chance on that one extra person that might have hit essential oils and you're not going to create any more recipes? No. You need to be interacting with them. Then direct message them. Hey, what kind of essential oil content are you looking for? Is there a particular brand of essential oils that you use? Or when you do a poll, you should be asking direct questions that then lead to a lead magnet, to something that's going to capture their email address. So I told the This story recently, I feel like, I think I did it in the training in Pitch Perfect Live. But I am doing, I had done a detox and it was refined sugar. I had to be away from all sorts of refined sugar. So I asked the question to my audience, um, are you comfortable knowing, finding the refined, keeping the refined sugar out of your diet? Yes, No. Now, I did that for a reason, not just because I didn't want, I wanted to know yes or no whether they were comfortable. The person, the health coach that I was working with, I knew had a freebie that was a chart that had all of the ingredients that were actually refined sugar that were like hidden names for it. So when they said to me in the poll, no, I don't, I'm not comfortable. I direct messaged them and said, hey, listen, this is actually the chart that I'm using that my coach gave me. I bet you would love it. And I would give them the link directly to her lead magnet so that she was gaining followers from it. I was providing my audience with a service. Am I looking to put together a sugar detox program? No. But if I was, and I was that health coach who I was doing it for, that's what I would be asking. I would be asking, are you comfortable finding refined sugar in your foods? Yes or no. And when they hit no, I would be sending them to my lead magnet that walked them through it. You guys have to start asking questions that matter. Don't ask them if they wear their sunglasses. You know, What kind of sunglasses do you wear? Do you prefer Sammy's or do you prefer um some other kind? Unless, unless you are doing a sponsored post for the particular kind of sunglasses and then you're gonna send them the information about that sponsored post. Or if you have an affiliate product, then you're gonna send them that information. There has to be a purpose behind it and you have to teach your audience how to interact and engage with you. That's the whole purpose of creating this sense of community because when people create a sense of community around you, they trust you. They're going to be willing to purchase a product that you put out there. They're going to want to see your latest post, and they're going to want to share it. I routinely hear from my audience, from all of you, from many of you, not all of you, from many of you, that you don't know what your audience wants. Sometimes something you think that's going to do really, really well content-wise falls flat on its face. Well, there's got to be a reason. It's because you're relying on the Pinterest gods for it to take off or for Facebook. How about instead talk to your audience and figure out what it is that they need and want? What problem are you solving by creating that content? Some of my best content is because I have talked to my audience and they said, Hey, I want this. I want more information on this. And when you are an influencer, That's what you understand. You can influence people to go in different directions because you know what it is that they want and need. You know the problem that you're solving because all an influencer really does is create content that they know that their audience wants that solves a problem. That in my eyes is an influencer. If you're just growing your Instagram following to have a 100,000s or 10,000s that you can have swipe up, great, but what does that swipe up do for you? really, unless you're solving a problem that your audience wants to swipe up for. The fact that you're dying to have 10,000 followers on Instagram and you're begging other people to share your content so that you can get that swipe up feature, unless you're going to use it correctly, it doesn't matter. It's a complete and utter waste of time. So start being strategic about your content. Think about I'm an influencer, what problem am I solving? How can I find out from my audience what it is that they need? This doesn't always just, I know we've been talking a lot in the past about creating a product and knowing what your audience wants. This starts with creating content that your audience wants too. We wanna increase page views, okay, great. Instead of just guessing, let's talk to them and figure out what they really want. You guys, I really wanna make sure that you understand that you can pop over to the show notes and grab the worksheet. It's gonna walk you through these three main questions that are gonna really start you to think about How can I make sure that I am showing my influence, becoming an influencer for my audience? In the meantime, I appreciate you guys so much. I love seeing how you are listening to the podcast. So, if you would take a screenshot, whether you are driving, well, don't do it while you're driving, maybe do it at a stoplight, or if you are running in the pool, like I have one person that loves to show me, I wanna see those screenshots of the podcast so that I can share them and be able to share your my your content with my audience. All right, guys, so you can tag me at Jenny underscore Melrose on Instagram with those screenshots of how you are listening to the podcast. I appreciate you all so much for taking the time to listen in. Until next time, I will see you all then.